This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back at Gillette Stadium for another one of our weekly beat writer chats. This time, old friend Paul Perillo joining Six Rings and Football Things. I figured with the need to get back to some of the glory days, we'd put the A-team back together as we used to call ourselves on Patriots.com and Patriots Football Weekly. So, Paul Perillo, we're jumping right into it. I'm not going to give you any, like, oh, how are you? How you been? Uh, the sky is falling. <laughs> sky is falling in Patriot Nation. Okay, so very simple question. Open-ended. What the hell's the problem? Rank the problems on this football team right now for Bill Belichick. And maybe maybe include Bill Belichick. Yeah, I, I would start with offense, obviously, and it starts up front, but uh, they're widespread. And that's the biggest problem to me is that you can get dramatic improvement in an area or two, and I don't think it's going to fix it all. Um, but I do think it starts up front. The offensive line hasn't been effective uh, in run or pass blocking, and I think that's where it starts. I think they want to be a team that relies on Ramondre Stevenson, and they haven't been able to. He hasn't been able to get going at all. So improve the the running game, and at least maybe you can start to sort of put things back together. But then Mac Jones's decision making has been really, really uh, problematic for them. And I, you, you were joking around about Bill. Um, he's on the list too. You know, I, I think when when you talk about Belichick and you talk about his greatness. You're talking about the ability to prepare and game plan and, and get the team in the right situation. When was the last time you felt at the start of a game, particularly against a quality opponent, that the Patriots had the, the other team on its heels? Even the defense, which has been much better than the offense, tends to give up long drives to start every game. So they're not coming into the game with a great game plan on a consistent basis. They're not executing uh, what they, they want to do on a consistent basis, and they're falling way behind. So I, I think the, the problems are widespread. I agree with you. Uh, as they say in the uh, douchey corporate culture, we'll put a pin in Mac and we'll we'll circle back around on that. Uh, I wanted to su- talk about something that was said on our airwaves on WEEI, Greg Hill show. Um, there's a guy that I am surprised at how open and honest he's been in his first month plus in the media. His name is Devin McCourty. Um, Very critical on television that it's not going to get any better for this football team. And then just today he was asked about comments David Andrews made that um, he feels like they're practicing well, but it's not transitioning to the game field. Why is that? And Devin laughed out loud and said, I know we always used to say that practice reality is game re- whatever the hell it is practice execution is game he goes i never bought into that when you're on the practice field you're playing the scout team you're playing guys that aren't that good when you get on the game field you're playing 
real football players. Guy might be an all-pro. I think his example was uh, you might be able to block the D end in practice, and then Cam Jordan is on the field, and you're like, hey, that, that guy's better than the guy in practice. This team has a talent problem, and I think people whistled past the graveyard all offseason. I, I saw all these reports of how you know Mike Gesicki's a unicorn, and he's going to change the offense. And I may or may not have made a bet with a certain media member that he, he was not going to have 12 touchdown passes. Feeling really good about that bet. <laughs> um, but I guess it's more of a, this is a long-term question of, yeah, Bill, the GM and the talent. Like, How did the talent get this so low where... I mean, I think Florio did it for clicks. You're the 32nd ranked team in the National Football League in power rankings. How do we get here? Yeah, I, I do think that the talent is an issue that was somewhat overlooked, and I think it's really telling that Devin McCourty took a step back, and he understood it. He was in the locker room just last year. So, um, you know, did he have another year or two left? Probably, but he, he probably also understood what what the reality was going on. and and knew it wasn't going to work, knew there wasn't enough there. Um, so this is where the whole build a GM thing and build a coach thing, I think, are, are always related and you can't separate them. I don't think Can I interrupt real quick? Sorry. Yeah. Is Bill still the GM? Is there still full control of Bill Belichick? Because I always hear these whispers. So we have, you know, dating back to Mac. Did Robert make that pick? Did, Robert, did he pull a David Tepper and did he step in and make the quarterback pick? And then over the last couple of years, this collaborative Matt Groh thing, where even Matt Groh, you were there, out on the practice field in, in the summer, says, I've only been spending the money for a couple years. Like, does Matt Groh deserve more blame than he's getting? Does Bill still sign off on everything? Like, where is the decision-making process that led us to this talent? Yeah, I know that there is a widespread belief that Matt Groh has way more power than, you know, maybe Nick Casario had or someone before had. Uh, I don't necessarily buy it. I do think that there's been some picks that, don't necessarily scream Bill Belichick. I would say Tyquan Thornton is one, you know, a smaller, fast receiver. I'm not necessarily sure that that's one that Bill Belichick loved um, coming out, but I still think he is the bottom line guy. And here's the thing, you know, the point I'm trying to make of, of marrying the two is I really think that Bill Belichick believes in the old school way of trying to win football games. You know, you run the ball, you stop the run, and you play good special teams. Matthew Slater said this on your airwaves, um, you know, and, and I think during the training camp, we want to be a tough team, and Coach says tough teams do those things. I think that's great, okay? I just don't think you can win big in the NFL. I think you can win games 13-10. to 10. I think you, you can do that occasionally, and it, it doesn't hurt to have the ability to do that, say, in the playoffs when maybe the weather is bad or something like that, but I don't think you can win big doing it that way anymore and I think Bill still strongly believes that that's how you win games so you can separate the GM from the coach but if he's still going to coach that way what's really the difference like if they had Caleb Williams right now and he's still trying to run the ball and play good defense and be tough on both sides of the line I'm not sure how much that makes you better so I agree with you, and I don't know why people get so kind of squirrely or defensive if you say, maybe the game's passed him by. It happened to all of them, correct? Except John Madden, sorry, because John Madden said, I'm getting the hell out of here while I'm on top. But for the most part, whether your name is Landry or Noel or Shula or whatever all-time great you want to tell me, the game kind of passed him by. And people get uncomfortable, and you know this, I've done this for years, like, he's old. He's 71 years old. That's old. That's old on Route 1 in Foxborough. That's old inside Gillette Stadium. That's old on the sideline. You know, I know Pete Carroll's older, but um, he's one of the oldest coaches. That's a, There's no shame 
And it's also following the same timeline those others did. Your Hall of Fame quarterback goes away. You don't look quite as good. You get old. Now you're probably not at your best, so you can't recover. Like, isn't this kind of just the course of natural events in any part of the world, but certainly in football? Haven't we seen this many times before? Yeah, I would say more often than not, that's the way it ends. You know, the Landry's, the Knowles, the, you know, those those guys. You know, Bill Walsh was pretty good till the end, but he also still had, you know, Montana and then, you know, the you know, young for for a short time. So yeah, I do think part of it is is that, and I and I do see that people get very defensive about it. I don't think whatever's happening now, I don't think takes away from what what he did for twenty plus years. And 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 I think I can step back and understand that. I you know, and I know I work here, and I've been sort of you know at a front row seat for it all. But I, I, at the same time, I don't think they just would have won magically as much as they did with just any old coach. I think he was a big part of what they did with Tom Brady and helping develop Tom Brady and then putting those teams together in a way that they could sustain that success. Well, it's not it's not happening anymore because I don't think you can just line up Corey Dillon like it's 2004 and, and play really good defense with a bunch of, you know, potential um, Hall of Fame players on defense and win that way. And I think that's the part that I can't get past. But – his, I mean, his legacy, his his impact on the game is is going to remain at a very high level. So, last Belichick question, and then we'll circle back around to that Mac Jones whole topic. Um, I think I texted this to you the other night uh, after the loss to the Saints, which was really ugly, really ugly, two weeks in a row. I could almost accept the Cowboys won on the road against a team bouncing back, but the Saints are you. They're mediocre. They're meh. Um, so. I wonder, I, I don't think Bill will get fired, although Jeff Howe wrote a piece this week. He thinks that Robert Kraft would fire Bill. Um, I don't see that happening in season. I just that, That's hard for me to really grasp. But I brought up the idea to you, is there any chance Bill would ever resign, would ever say, he realized what we just talked about. This has kind of passed me by. I'm not leading the way I once led. I'm not deciding things the, one, the way I once did. Ever a chance he uses his phrase, I always do what's in the best interest of the football team, and right now that's me stepping away and letting Gerard take over. Any, and I'm talking about this old school PFW in progress. Is there a one percent chance that Bill would step away in season? Yeah, I, I mean, my guess is no, but I, I will give you a couple of scenarios, and and you know, that we'll we'll start with the obvious ones and sort of gloss over them. If they just have a mess on their hands and the players are o- openly like having a mutiny, they're going up the back steps, you know, like the old Bobby Greer days, and they're going to Robert Kraft and they're saying, "Listen, this just isn't work, and we got to get the, we got to move on." Um, okay, so. I'm going to put that off to the side because that would ha- that would do in any coach. I don't care how successful you are. And wouldn't it have to be certain players? Yeah. Like I don't feel like Trent Brown can go up the stairs and say, "Robert, this isn't working." But if Slater or David Andrews or Jawan Bentley or some of your captains, you're okay. Go ahead. So that that would be a scenario. But the other one too, and we were talking about this a little bit in the office this week. Um, you know, the the trade deadline's coming up. You know, it's going to be the end of the month. I don't think the Patriots are in a position to acquire really anything of any substance that would necessarily hurt you for the future. I've heard people, as an example, bring up Kirk Cousins. And I first of all, I wonder why the 1-4 in four Vikings need to sell and the 1-4 in four Patriots need to buy. But that's, that's an argument for a different uh, twi- Twitter crowd, I guess. To be fair, maybe the 1-4 in four Vikings are like, that Caleb Williams, Williams looks pretty good. Kevin O'Connell said, I'd take him. Right. So... If Bill goes to Robert and says, you know, we have a chance to get X player, and Robert says, does that really make sense? We're going to take on salary. We want to make sure we keep the salary clean. We want to get these guys, find these younger players, 
they, in other words, they have a, a conflict of the direction that they should be going. But Bill, being whatever, 19 games, 18 games away from the all-time wins record, looks at it differently. So now they have a, a philosophical difference and they're clashing. Maybe your thing would, would, would come forward and, and Bill says, well, the writing's on the wall. I'm going to be gone at the end of the season anyway. I'm just going to go now. I don't see that scenario, but that would be one semi-plausible one that I could see you know, Robert Kraft saying we have to we have to step aside and go in different directions. Okay, so we're talking about this after the two worst losses we can all remember. Certainly the two worst back-to-back losses we can all remember. Bill's worst loss in Dallas, all-time shutout loss for the Patriots at home. That whole, it's going to get better. They can't possibly, I actually thought they were a little snake-bitten against the Saints. I thought Mac was a little unlucky, like certainly on the Ty Montgomery one, where he hits a guy in the hands, the guy bobbles it, doesn't even possess it long enough to turn it into a fumble, bobbles it so it's an interception on Mac. Like, I, I thought there was just some, wow, when, when it goes bad, it goes bad kind of nature. It's going to be better than that. But Vegas has adjusted it. I saw an email this morning. I think BetMGM has lowered it to 5.5, the win total. Do you go over under 5.5? <laughs> They're only going to get four more wins the rest of the year. Okay, so... That's where people are looking. So I don't think the wheels are going to fall off more than they already have. I think the wheels are already off, and now you'll probably straighten it out and kind of go up, down, whatever. But Mac Jones was supposed to be the franchise quarterback of this team. Mac Jones looked like he shouldn't play in the National Football League the last couple weeks. And I don't care how much you hate Mac Jones. He didn't play as poorly previously as he did the last two weeks. In Dallas, in particular, he melted down. He did, And then, I'm sorry, but our guy, I'm going to say our guy, Billy O draws up a nice play on a fake tush push. We're going to pitch it. We And they were raving about it on the broadcast. Oh, this is going to be a huge high school quarterbacks make that play. Like you can't, Paul Perillo wasn't even a back. It was a backup quarterback. He makes that pitch. What the hell is going on with Mac? Yeah, I would say that absolutely the Dallas game. And I've been somewhat critical of Mac, um, you know, throughout his time here, but never did I ever say that he was the kind of quarterback that played against the Cowboys. I've never indicated. I, I always say that he's, he's just sort of average. He's there, you know. Right. There's a difference between not good enough and horrifically bad. Yeah, and he was a, a detriment to the team that day. I thought from a mental standpoint, as much as anything, I didn't like what I saw. And I that's why I wondered if if Bill Belichick would make the move. Um, you know, and obviously on Wednesday he said he, he wasn't planning on doing that. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens in Vegas. But the, the the mental mistakes more than anything else. And I agree with you that like the, the Ty Montgomery one, that was one of his better throws right. of the last couple of weeks. But there's enough to me where the, the rush is the problem. And it's not that he's under so much pressure because who isn't in that league? It's I think he's one of those guys now, Andy, who's watching the rush and not watching anything that's going on downfield. He's leaving the pocket earlier than he needs to. Um, and he's been affected by the rush. So those are hard things to to break. Once you start getting hit and you're sick of getting hit, that's a hard cycle to get out of. This won't be easy for him mentally. And I think that's where some people have started to make comparisons to your guy Drew or even David Carr. And they're not talking about skills or arm or anything. They're talking like about David Carr. <laughs> um, but just like the broken man, the and we've seen quarterbacks get broken because you know we're all human beings and we don't want to keep getting hit and and it takes a guy in a different direction. Um, I want to circle back, though, to I bring up Billy O'Brien because he started to come under fire because he was painted as the savior this offseason, right? Like, they didn't do a lot talent-wise. I know we can talk about Juju, Jacoby Myers, swap, whatever. It was kind of painted as Bill O'Brien. The owner wants Bill O'Brien. The fans want Bill O'Brien. We should have had him a year earlier. He'll fix everything. I kept using the word competency. 
Adrian Clem. Well, we'll have a real O-line coach. They'll be better. Uh, where do you fall on those guys, certainly not being saviors, but uh, do they share some of the blame in this? Have they not done their jobs? Yeah, I don't know enough about offensive line play. I leave that to the experts. Who are the experts? I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you fill in the blame. Gresh, can you call into the podcast next week? <laughs> um, but I, I would certainly sit there and say from, from afar, I mean, this is not exactly the guys that he thought he was going to have, at least not at 100%. So that part I'm going to leave to guys that know more about that than me. But Billy O., who you know that you and I both feel very strongly about as a good, solid play caller in this league, who's had a lot of success. I, I do think that part of this has fallen on him. And I look at even small little things, like you come out against the Saints the other day, first play, Ramondre Stevenson goes eight yards. And I know everybody's talked about this all week. I love the second and two call. Because you know what second and two was like in the first couple of games? Quarterback sneak, we're going to get the first down. And I was like, no, take a shot. It might be there. So he takes a shot. I love that call. doesn't work because Mac's a little bit off. He was off on that throw, and then you just dial up another one. Right. You know, like run the ball on third down. Evidently the Saints are among the worst teams in football in run defense in short yardage situation. Just running and get a first down and now see if you can get Mac a little bit more comfortable. So I don't think it's just been um, all Mac Jones and all a lack of weapons. I think – Billy O, when you saw some of that frustration on the sideline in that New Orleans game, too, just like I think he's at a loss as to where to turn, and um, and, and it hasn't it hasn't been fixed. Your your uh, little fake tush push, yeah, it, I think it was going to get the first down, but I didn't like that call. I mean, what like to me it reeked of the old days when we used to make fun of Josh, and you know we got a play down inside the one yard line. I'm just going to run up, and we have all our passing personnel. We're going to try to run it quick, and all of a sudden we go first and goal from the one to second and goal from the three because we tried to trick them. You know everything you're doing is working. Just you know just get the first down. But I do understand that the weapons aren't there. They're not a lot of man-to-man beaters. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens against the Raiders because the Raiders can't cover man-to-man, so something's got to give. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I have still defended Billy O. Uh, is he part of the problem or is he not part of the solution? I guess I would word it. Yeah, that's fair. But I think when you have a bad O-line, bad weapons, and a quarterback who is horrific right now, the way he's playing, and your best player is averaging 2.7 yards per carry, like, you flip that play sheet over, you turn it up, there's not a lot of calls for those situations, and I think it's a bigger trust issue. Like, you talked about Mac, that he's been broken by the pressure. I don't think Ramondre Stevenson trusts the holes and the landmarks. I don't think Billy O trusts any of the play calls i don't think mac trusts receivers to get open i thought last week he was aiming the ball like a freaking high school quarterback at times like afraid to just you know plant throw i know where the guy's going to be and we'll do this so i think there are spider-man meme trust issues throughout this offense in kind of all directions so i guess that leads to the big picture and i joke to you i know you're not comfortable aligning yourself with this new slogan that fitzy and i have come up with here on the six rings podcast of we're not tanking we just suck um where's this season going like what what is i mean we talked about bill and that's i'm just talking about are they legitimately going to be one of the five worst teams in football are they legitimately going to be in line for the highest pick they've ever had since Drew, basically. Seymour was six. Right now, they're five. They're ahead of the Seymour pace. They got a Hall of Famer last time they did that. That's great. Are they in line for a quarterback? Like, it feels too early in the year to be having this discussion, but we're having this discussion. Yeah, I'm definitely not aligning myself with your slogan there. So, I mean, it's better than judges. Let me, let me state that in fact. Is it better than judges? Well, 
they're all better than judges. I'm not aligning myself with with judges uh, any mentality. Uh, but part of this, to me, like the whole bigger picture is is with the expectations. And you said like you thought there was whistling past the graveyard in terms of the roster. Well, people were telling you that. Bill O'Brien was going to be worth two, two at least two wins. I think Tom Curran was selling twelve wins during so the the I, summer. I don't, I don't know how you can just say an offensive coordinator is going to be worth that many wins. Um, so, like, yeah, we're down on Bill O'Brien right now. But maybe if you didn't think that just his mere presence was going to result in actual wins, maybe you wouldn't be as down on him. Now, no one envisioned this. I did. I, I thought the offense would get better, especially from where it started from. Against Philadelphia in the in the second quarter, after a really bad start, the second quarter they looked really competent on offense. Those back to back touchdown drives, we haven't seen it since. Yeah, there was a month apart between what I thought was the best Mac has ever played in a Patriots uniform. The second quarter against the Eagles, I believe it was eleven for eleven, two touchdown drives against big boy defense, big boy defensive front. Like yep. that's a real team. And then you fast forward a month later, and in Dallas he looks like a freshman quarterback who shouldn't be playing, but the three guys ahead of him got hurt. Like. How do we get there? Yeah, so to answer your question, like, what are they? I mean, I, I, I still hesitate to say, you know, the last 12 games, are gonna, this is going to be a bottom five team. Are you taking the over or the under on the newly set 5.5? I would take the over. By a hair? By yeah, a so I, think, I think six. I mean, I, I kind of, like, I was asked on a different show. Um, what I thought how many was, shows are you doing? Why don't you stick loyal to the six rings? Uh, how much? Uh, anyway. Okay, um, have fun. The, the, the. They, I was asked the high end if things go well, and my answer was seven or eight wins, and I got laughed at. And the the reason why is I felt like the schedule was really tough. So that to me is the difference between this year and last year. And one of the you know one of the best thing scenarios happened. Aaron Rodgers didn't work out. Now it was injury, but that was like well maybe you can steal a couple wins over the Jets because. It doesn't work, and that was kind of what I was thinking. So I think five or six wins sounded kind of about right. I think I might have said seven out of you know, just respect for the program. In all seriousness, like I, I just you know I find it hard to believe that going into a season <laughs> they're going to go four and thirteen or five and twelve. But I think that's kind of where you are now. Maybe somewhere between five and ten that draft pick, which isn't bad because that gets you an opportunity if you want. You have you have some resources to move up and get a get a quarterback because not all of those top five teams will be looking to, to take a quarterback. And somebody will be taking, I assume, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a wide receiver somewhere in there. There's a tackle. Like there's always going to be that mix of a few guys that gotta go up there. Um, so that's interesting. Now, to be fair, with respect to the program, I never thought I'd see seventy-two to three over consecutive weeks. One at home, one on the road. Pretty sure Robert Kraft never planned to sit in Jerry Jones Stadium, watch his team get ass whooped, and then go back to his own stadium. Watch his team get its ass whooped and fans leave early. So the paper bags of the Paul Perillo early 90s, late 80s could be coming to Gillette. Before we wrap this up and let you go, Paul, I just we should touch on Josh McDaniels, Jacoby Myers, the Raiders, a mediocre football team at best, Patriots heading there, familiarity, the ex-coaches beat Bill, Bill needs a win, Max playing, I think. Like, where's this game go other than just an ugly football game that I say, why does CBS send their best? broadcast crew to this game yeah i heard a theory on that that we don't need to get into but uh no just that that that's where the super bowl is and they like to get the crew at least one game in that super bowl site is kind of like a a dry run not anything 
Plus, I'd like to see, if I were them, I'd like to see that, that, that eyeball sphere thing. That's one of the coolest things in the world. I really need to see that. It really is. Um, I, I think it's similar to last week in that both teams are struggling offensively, but I look at the other team's personnel offensively and I see potential. And I watched the game Monday night and I thought they were really close. To, I mean, obviously, Carlson's an excellent kicker. He ends up missing two field goals. So, I mean, 23 is a big difference from 23 and 17, especially playing against the Patriots. But I did think that there were some drives that they had that they kind of shot themselves in the foot and ended up with no points. So I think there's a chance that the Raiders look better offensively. But the difference between the Saints and the Raiders, the Raiders do not have the kind of defense that New Orleans does. So this should be a game that both teams are able to score a little bit more. Um, then they have a tradition for the Patriots. I mean, it has, there's no way to go but up. You're down to zero now. You're going in the wrong direction. So I, I think it's an interesting game. I think there's a lot of question with the coach for both teams. Which team wants to play harder for their coach right now? Because I think that's really in question. So the Patriot way is failing on both coasts, basically, right now. Uh, do I over? I'll ask you for a score in one second, but do I oversimplify this? Because I agree with you, the defense, the Raiders, not that good. Although, I'm not sure what the Patriots' defense is post-Gonzalez and post-Judon, too. But this feels like one where if I'm Adrian Clem, I'm just coming up with ways to get two or three bodies on Max Crosby and the rest, Mac, if we leave one guy, leave that guy unblocked, whatever, we can't let Max Crosby ruin this game because he, he's a game wrecker. He really is. But uh, So give me a score. I like a lot of field goals in this game because of the offenses. So I, I think uh, Daniel Carlson bounces back. I say 19-13 Raiders. So that means Ryland might have missed a couple. Cardona might have had a couple bad snaps. I don't know. You said lots of field goals, and they got more of them, so we just didn't attempt. I don't know. Uh, he's Paul Perillo. He is from Patriots Unfiltered, All Act. I won't say it the way I usually do. Um, he does other shows. Ooh, they pay him. Ooh, I'm Paul Perillo. I'm important. This has been Six Rings and Football Things, our weekly beat writer chat at Gillette Stadium. Patriots Raiders on Sunday, and Paul Perillo is predicting field goals in one of the most entertaining places on the planet. So we got that going for us, which is nice. See you.